exploring the lives of ordinary Chinese people, sharing stories of impressive personalities. Life up close, presenting real China in real Chinese living. Life up close, where you can find out the latest about the ever-changing Chinese society. I'm your host Sam Duckett in Beijing. In this edition of Life Up Close, we will first take a look at China's booming tourism market and how most Chinese people spend their holidays. I come to see the float parade of the Shanghai Tourism Festival every year. This is my fourth time. The atmosphere here is so good. You can't feel it while watching TV at home. My friends and I drove here to stay for the weekend. We came to take photos of the beautiful scenery, drink tea, eat local food, and stay in local bed and breakfasts. It is a way to get rid of the pressure that gets built up during the week. In recent years, the Chinese government has rolled out a new tourism law as well as guidelines for national tourism and leisure, creating policies to favor the development of tourism. Our objective is to turn the tourism industry into a strategic pillar for our national economy and a modern service industry that can satisfy the needs of people in this era of mass travel. After this, we'll tell you a story about the art education of a group of Tibetan girls in the western Qinghai province. When I first arrived at the school where there hadn't been any drawing lessons, I gave them a lesson on painting, from which I've noticed their strong enthusiasm about drawing. So I decided to help them sustain the drawing lessons. If their paintings are purchased by any kind-hearted visitor during the showcase process, the earnings would go back to invest into a continuation of their drawing lessons. Once their drawing lessons continue, they may go on with this competition and exhibition again and again. Stay tuned. Food, sightseeing, shopping, and cultural experience. All of this is being sought by hundreds of millions of Chinese people who get on the road and travel around the nation every long public holiday, from the dazzling modern city of Shanghai to the world's highest Qinghai Tibet plateau. The vast Chinese land offers its residents a great variety for them to experience and explore. The current seven-day National Day holiday is no exception. Scenic spots across the country are filled again with the sounds of joyful men, women, and children enjoying their time off. It's predicted that 598 million Chinese are likely to hit the road at home and abroad during the holiday, up 12% from last year. First, our reporter Yan Yong explains what the tourists have been getting excited about in Shanghai. In Shanghai, a host of activities has been going on since early last month to promote the rich tourist resources of the metropolis. On September the 10th, the month-long Shanghai Tourism Festival began, and this will last throughout much of the National Day holiday. On the opening day of the festival, a record 25 floats toured the city after the set-off on parade on Huaihai Road in downtown Shanghai. The Shanghai Disney Resorts float led the parade ahead of those from the cities of Suzhou, Nanjing, and Taipei. These were followed by floats from the provinces of Shanxi and Henan, and in the Mongolian Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Regions. 
The Disney float celebrated the resort's recent grand opening in Shanghai with the promotion of all the theme park's attractions and entertainment. The centerpiece of the float was a glittering golden replica of the resort's enchanted storybook castle, the largest castle of any Disney park or resort in the world. The float, representing Inner Mongolia, featured grass meadowlands, horses, sheep, and yurts. The float from Lianyungang City in eastern Jiangsu Province featured monkeys and the Huaguo Mountain. Lianyungang is being promoted by the local city government as the hometown of the Monkey King, the hero of the 16th-century Chinese mythological novel *Journey to the West*. The float from the northern Shanxi province paid tribute to its traditional Jin architecture and highlighted its ancient culture, while the Xinjiang float celebrated its fruit-growing tradition. The float parade wowed many Shanghai residents who came to see the performances themselves. I like the Disney-themed float very much. I'm very happy that Shanghai has a Disney park. The atmosphere created by this float reminds me of my childhood. I come to see the float parade of the Shanghai Tourism Festival every year. This is my fourth time. The atmosphere here is so good. You can't feel it while watching TV at home. This annual event is very good. This is the pride of our Shanghai residents. After the parade, the float traveled along Sichuan Road in Hongkou District, Xinyi Road in Changning District. And stopped at Nanjing Road Pedestrian Mall and Yunyao Road. A day after the festival opened, more than 500 residents, tourists, and expatriates braved the rain to join the free walking tours in five districts of the metropolis. The walks explored Shanghai's beautiful scenic spots and offered participants an opportunity to take a closer look at the city's history and culture. The walking tours took in Xuhui, Hongkou, Huangpu, Jing'an, and Chongning districts, the core areas of this massive modern city. During the whole process, tour guides told the group about the stories behind the landmark buildings and the exquisite garden villas along their route. The Xuhui tour started from the Chuanquiu and Trendy Wukong Road and went along Anfu, Wuyuan, and Huaihai Roads. Walkers were told about the historic Normandy apartments designed by architect Laszlo Hudek, who was born in 1893 in today's Slovakia. The Xuhui Walk also encompassed the Shanghai Camera History Museum and the former residence of a late Chinese novelist. Beijing. For visitors who missed all of these particular activities in Shanghai, there's still time to join other enchanting events during the National Day holiday, as the Shanghai Tourism Festival lasts until October the sixth. Local tourism operators are going to give visitors a taste of nostalgic modern city life with an event on the Hengshan and Fuxin Road, which will feature demonstrations of early 20th-century Shanghai lifestyle. And it's not just the realities of life on show. An international magic festival will be held in the Happy Valley in southwestern Shanghai during the holiday. 
visitors and local residents can also participate in the music festival in Zhu Jiajiao, a historic town in western Shanghai, when some 30 bands from home and overseas will take to the stage to fill the air with music here. As well as going to the modern metropolises like Shanghai, many urban residents decide they'd rather go the other way, trying out the different foods, sights and cultural experiences that can be found in rural China. In the second part of our story, we'll take a closer look. But first, let's have a short break. Stay tuned. Everywhere you look today, China is in the news. But what about the lives behind the stories? How do ordinary Chinese live and work? Life Up Close answers the questions in your mind when you think of China. Over a billion people and as many stories from all over this vast land. Life Up Close, bringing you all you need to know about the real Chinese living here in China. You're listening to Life Up Close. Now let's follow Yang Yong again to take a look at the booming rural tourism market. Just an hour's drive from the hustle and bustle of the downtown Hangzhou and you are in a completely different world. Now before your eyes, villagers dipped in traditional Chinese culture. My friends and I drove here to stay for the weekend. We came to take photos of the beautiful scenery, drink tea, eat local food and stay in local bed and breakfasts. It is a way to get rid of the pressure that gets built up during the week. For years, people living in the rural areas outside Hangzhou either stayed to work their lands as farmers or moved into the city in a bid to find work. But local officials say that over the past four years or so, many of those who left have decided to return, realizing they have an opportunity to make money by providing homestay opportunities. Zhou Zhonglian is head of Huanxi village in Tonglu County, which is in the west of Zhejiang province. We now have over 50 households, managing over 700 beds for visitors. Over the weekends, these family hotels are crowded with tourists. You can hardly find a bed to stay in. Most families can now earn 50,000 to 60,000 yuan a year. Some can earn over 100,000 yuan. There are even families that can earn almost 400,000 yuan each year. The sharp rise in the number of tourists to Huanxi came after it was developed in 2010, when the village introduced an ecological wetland system that purified the region's wastewater. This makes Huanxi somewhat unique in China. In most Chinese villages, household wastewater flows directly into the local rivers without being properly treated often damaging the environment and making living conditions unpleasant for people in the area. On top of the wastewater treatment program, villagers in Huanxi have also managed to convert some 80 acres of rice paddy fields into lotus ponds. While much more attractive than rice paddies, lotus ponds in Huanxi are also part of the village's history. Many of the villagers are descendants of ancient Chinese philosopher Zhou Duanyi, who lived some 960 years ago during the Northern Song Dynasty. His famous prose on lotus flowers has been included in modern Chinese textbooks for decades. Beyond the beauty of the lotus flowers, the pounds also provide the seeds used to make a special form of Chinese liquor, baijiu. 
This in turn provides another cultural and economic boosts to the village and its surrounding regions. This kind of rural tourism has also helped with China's poverty alleviation efforts. According to the China National Tourism Administration, some 10 million impoverished people have escaped the curse of poverty since 2011 because of the development of rural tourism. These people comprised about 10% of the total number of China's impoverished people. In recent years, some Chinese people living in the affluent modern cities have become passionate about exploring the far remote natural and cultural landscapes of the country. The Qinghai Tibet Plateau is an ideal destination for them. Ren Jiyue is deputy director of the Tourism Development Commission of the Tibet Autonomous Region. He says Tibet will explore some new routes this year to help meet this growing tourist demand. This year, we are going to promote five new routes, including the east, the south, the west, the north, and Chuogao Lake, located in southwest Tibet's Ningxi. Hopefully, this will bring our visitors more convenience and fun. With the development of Tibet's road conditions, there will be some new routes explored every year. In addition, Ren says the regional government of Tibet is determined to further improve its tourism sector. This year, some new policies will be rolled out so as to better regulate Tibet's tourism industry, including those on catering, accommodation, and tour guides. In addition, more training sessions will be provided for the personnel who work in the field. Tourism is a pillar industry in the Tibet Autonomous Region, with revenue from the sector accounting for more than 20% of the local GDP. According to the Regional Tourism Administration, more than 6.8 million tourists visited Tibet in the first half of this year, an increase of more than 30% on an annualized basis, and revenue from the sector reached 7 billion yuan. Which is more than one billion U.S. dollars. Indeed, traveling has now become a way of life in the most populous nation on Earth, thanks to a growing economy and increasing family incomes. In the final part of this story, we'll take a look at the overall Chinese tourism market and its investment opportunities. But first, let's have a short break. Stay tuned. Everywhere you look today, China is in the news. But what about the lives behind the stories? How do ordinary Chinese live and work? Life up close answers the questions in your mind when you think of China. Over a billion people and as many stories from all over this vast land. Life up close, bringing you all you need to know about the real Chinese living here in China. You are listening to Life Up Close. Now Yang Yong again with the final part of our story on tourism in China. Official statistics show four billion tourist trips were made in China last year. Spending during these trips accounted for, on average, ten percent of all Chinese household spending last year. Tourism revenues have reached four trillion yuan. This booming sector is being promoted by the Chinese government to drive on its slowing economy. While addressing the World Conference on Tourism Development in Beijing in May, Chinese Premier Li Keqiang suggested that tourism. 
could be a driving force in creating sustainable economic development. 近年来，我们颁布了旅游法。In recent years, the Chinese government has rolled out a new tourism law, as well as guidelines for national tourism and leisure, creating policies to favor the development of tourism. Our objective is to turn the tourism industry into a strategic pillar for our national economy and a modern service industry that can satisfy the needs of people in this era of mass travel. This era of mass travel is, of course, leading to increasing investment in developing the nation's tourism and cultural resources. On September the twenty-fourth, Chinese conglomerate Dalian Wanda Group opened the first phase of a sprawling thirty-four billion yuan tourism park in the eastern city of Hefei. The 160-hectare first phase of Hefei Wanda City includes a theme park, hotels, and a shopping mall. The second phase will be an indoor recreation project, according to a statement from the company. Wanda says it intends to extend the park into a third phase, which is still in the planning stages. Hefei Wanda City will host China's first Ironman triathlon. The race is scheduled for October the 16th. Wanda is building similar projects around the country, betting that China's rising incomes will drive more domestic tourism. The conglomerate's chairman Wang Jianling has said that Wanda is looking to build at least 20 such complexes in China. Wanda is investing heavily as it seeks to triple revenues from its cultural division, which includes entertainment, sports, and tourism, to 150 billion yuan by 2020. Thanks, Yang Yong. Now let's take a short break, and then we'll turn to a story about the artistic dream of a group of Tibetan schoolgirls in Qinghai Province. Stay tuned. If you have any interesting stories about China to share with us and can speak good English, why not join us in our worldwide broadcast? Don't hesitate to phone us or send us an email at life at cri dot com dot cn. You're listening to Life Up Close. A welfare art exhibition of 30 paintings was organized in an art studio in Beijing's 798 Art Zone during this summer. What makes it special lies in the young illustrators of these paintings. They are not professional painters, but they are students who just learned how to paint one year ago in Ladia Girls School of Golong Tibetan Autonomous Prefecture of Qinghai Province. Founded in 2005, the Ladia Girls School stands at the foot of a hill in the far west of China. In the summer of last year, 16-year-old city girl Zheng Jiayu, a high school student, arrived there and began working temporarily as an art teacher in the school. Along the sideline of this exhibition, she recalled how she first discovered local students' painting talent. 
When I first arrived at the school where there hadn't been any drawing lessons, I gave them a lesson on painting, from which I've noticed their strong enthusiasm about drawing. So I decided to help them sustain the drawing lessons. If their paintings are purchased by any kind-hearted visitor during the showcase process, the earnings would go back to invest into a continuation of their drawing lessons. Once their drawing lessons continue, they may go on with this competition and exhibition again and again. According to Zheng Jieyu, also the curator of this welfare art exhibition in Beijing, the 30 paintings on display are the best works chosen from an art contest. The founding of the girls' school a decade ago has made more than 300 Tibetan girls fulfill their school dream, meaning they have had access to education. This art exhibition could be reckoned as a new pursuit for those Tibetan girls. Zheng Jieyu thinks this activity may function both as a wake-up call to depict what their eyes show them on canvas, and also to arouse concern for more members of the society who may offer assistance to help them realize their dreams. 像他们小学的初中的一些学生的话，三百幅画，然后之后就是全学校进行了这个。Local teachers and students voted to choose the best 30 works among a total of 300 pieces of art drawn by the students who attend primary school or junior school classes. We have brought all 30 works here, most of which focus on the Tibetan landscape and people. I hope visiting this exhibition may arouse more public concern and attention for their unique culture as well as their poor school conditions. In addition to 30 paintings, Zheng also brought a local teacher and two of their students to the exhibition. Dong Jun Cairang, a local teacher working with Zheng Jieyu in holding this exhibition, is full of gratitude when he talks about the activity. We've never been to the provincial capital of Qinghai, let alone Beijing. Travel is not very accessible in our mountainous area. As for my two young students, I feel excited about our first ever trip to Beijing. Thanks to Teacher Zheng Jieyu's arrival at our school, our students began gaining an access to drawing lessons, in which she gave a multitude of drawing and illustration supplies. Filled with hope and expectation, we follow her to participate in this exhibition. Yan Jingzhuoma is a 12-year-old student who has her painting shown among the other 29 pieces at the exhibition in Beijing. She explains the inspiration behind her drawing a portrait. I drew the portrait thinking of my mom, who is very amiable. The holding of this welfare art exhibition involves many parties' assistance. Xiao Xiaoling has made herself indispensable to the exhibition by providing her Chengjai Art Studio as a free venue for the activity. She says she has introduced this welfare art activity to many of her friends. Before the exhibition opened, I brought a friend to see these paintings. She showed a strong interest in Yang Jinjoma's painting and bought it for her collection. My friend felt excited after chatting with her for a while. She also took a picture with her. All 30 paintings have been sold out during the four-day exhibition, which earns Ladia Girls School over 50,000 yuan, or some 8,000 US dollars. 
as what Zheng Jieyu and many of those warm-hearted people who gave assistance to this exhibition have wished for. The earnings from the Welfare Art Exhibition would continue to support young students in Lajia Girls School on their path of pursuing their new dreams. With that, we come to the end of this edition of Life Up Close. Hope you have enjoyed it. For more, please log on to our website of newsplusradio.cn. For our program producer, Yin Xiu Qi, this is Sam Duckett in Beijing. Bye for now.